it rolling, Bob? Is it rolling, Bob? Is it rolling, Bob? Hi there, and welcome to Bob Dylan, A Headful of Ideas. Uh, this is uh, Season 3, Episode 2. This is Chris Gregory speaking, and um, I'm, we're going to talk today about a rather untypical Bob Dylan song, Forever Young, from 1973, uh, released in 1974 on the album Planet Waves. Um, Young has become one of Dylan's most famous songs, um, one of a handful to have become what you might call a modern standard. It's been covered by a wide range of artists, even including contestants on TV talent shows. Whether that's something to be proud of is a, perhaps another matter, isn't it? It was used as the theme song for the TV show Parenthood, which ran for six years from 2010. It's been adapted as a really very charming children's book. It is not, however, a song addressed to a lover, but is quite obviously directed to a child. Uh, yet it's not a children's song. It mines universal sentiments so successfully that it is equally appropriate as a message to older people, encouraging them to remain youthful. And um, in, I guess the song that's closest to it is a song called Young at Heart, written by Caroline Lee and Johnny Richards for Frank Sinatra. Um, this came out in 1953, uh, later covered by Dylan on Triplicate in 2017, his third album of standards. Forever Young has been performed many hundreds of times by Dylan, often at the climax of a show or as an encore. Unlike many of his other songs, very few liberties have ever been taken with the words or the music. Composed in 1973 as a lullaby for his son Jesse, He's, I think he's a film director now, isn't it? Uh, Forever Young is also the only song that Dylan has recorded two versions of on the same album. And there are reasons for this. The, the slow version from Planet Waves appears on what on the vinyl release was the end of side one, whereas a speeded uptake that doesn't linger over the, you know, you could say rather sentimental lyrics, kicks off side two. An even rougher version, which I guess is, I guess I'd say it's my favourite version, was recorded acoustically as a demo in the CBS offices. It's very short. Uh, it was released on the compilation Biograph in 1985. In some ways, this recording, you might call it primitive, can be seen as the most moving and effective version of the song. The starkness of its presentation contrasts very effectively with the conventional sentiments being expressed, creating an appealing sense of fragility in the writer's performance. But in most cases, Dylan goes for the full band treatment. The original recording was made with the band, who provide their usual immaculate display of musicianship, with a subtle interplay between guitar, bass, drums, mandolin, piano and organ. Uh, some of them playing more than one instrument at the same time, I think. The live recording made at Winterland in San Francisco in 1976 as part of the famous Last Waltz concert is particularly impressive in the richness of its arrangement. 
This is a song that's certainly grown over the years. Despite the variations in the song's original form, Dylan generally plays it straight, with a few, as we've said, musical or lyrical changes. He hits the choruses in a fulsome way like a genuine crooner, stretching out the title phrase for effect. His vocals are unusually restrained and melodic. This is a song which, despite Dylan's initial reservations about it being too sentimental, presages much of his engagement with the sentimental tradition in his 21st century work. Yet the existence of the soft and hard versions sets up a kind of discourse between the potential future directions Dylan's music might take. On his previous four albums, he deliberately adopted a more mellow tone, and he'd experimented with composing much simpler and more conventional songs, often not expressing the, the, the joys of ordinary, everyday married life and having children as well. The existence of the two versions on the album may indicate that he will, in fact, pursue both avenues of expression. And that certainly this is, this is what happens. Uh, but we do have to remember that Blood on the Tracks was, uh, was only a year away, and uh, most of the songs on there are the absolute opposite of Forever Young. The song has a simple structure with a repeated refrain at the end of the three verses. Over three quarters of the lines begin with the word may. It begins as a kind of prayer, beginning with the tearful father, perhaps holding his newborn child for the first time. May God bless and keep you always, he almost whispers, in an invocation which is actually derived from Numbers 6, uh, verses 23 to 27. Uh, it's a common phrase used by Jewish parents towards their children. Perhaps Bob was recalling stuff he'd heard when he was a kid himself. Presumably. The first verse is marked by a series of rather generalised biblical allusions. After he expresses his fervent hope that the child's wishes will all come true, the following lines, May you always do for others, and let others do for you, although perhaps somewhat clumsily constructed, are indications of the famous biblical golden rule which Dylan later explicitly focused on in Do Right For Me Baby on 1979's Slow Train Coming. The next lines, which are the most evocative in the song, really, implore the child to build a ladder to the stars and climb on every rung. This is a clear reference to Genesis chapter 8, in which Jacob has a dream of climbing such a ladder after fighting with his brother Esau. The use of the terms ladder and rung have the effect of kind of lifting the verse in preparation for the chorus. It would be stretching it a little to call Forever Young a religious song, although the obviously spiritual content of this verse might have influenced Dylan's decision to include it in his three-song set that he played before Pope John Paul II in Bologna in 1997. Although I think um, Pope John Paul did, did rather nod off during Dylan's show. Um, there's a film of this. You can watch this. Uh, it's on YouTube somewhere. You can watch this and judge it for yourself. Um, the other verses add very little to what's already been said. The plea for the child to grow up to be righteous is another hint at biblical language. This is followed by, may you grow up to be true, 
where you always know the truth and see the light surrounding you. Again, the repetition of true stroke truth is a little awkward, although the last image is quite inspiring. The narrator also hopes that his child will grow up to be courageous and strong. In the final verse, he expresses his hope that the child will be happy and fulfilled. May your hands always be busy, he sings. May your feet always be swift. We then get another uplifting line. May you have a strong foundation when the winds of changes shift. Before ending with, may your heart always be joyful. May your song always be sung. The final line indicating that perhaps Dylan is partly directing the song towards himself, as with so many other Dylan songs. The attempt to be perpetually youthful was a key element of the counterculture as its denizens grew older. Thus, the song became a kind of baby boomer's anthem. When he wrote it, Dylan was in his early 30s and was trying to balance his joy at being a family man with his desire to return to the cutting edge of popular culture. The slight clumsiness of some of the lines reflects this, although to some extent these lines actually add to the charm of the song making the narrator appear more vulnerable. This might explain a little bit some of these lines, rather awkward lines, that Dylan was a little reticent about recording the song in the, in the first place, and this is perhaps why he recorded um, two versions of the song, one of which made those lines sound a bit dismissive. Forever Young is a very atypical Dylan song. It's one of the few occasions when he appears to allow his heart to rule his brain. Um, yeah, so even even the awkward lines kind of uh, contribute towards the effect of the song. Uh, he, he sounds the the narrator sounds almost uncertain about this in a way, and this is certainly a song that develops a lot as we said over the years. Yeah, this is really highly appropriate for such a song. Parents naturally do feel sentimental about their children. Despite Dylan's use of cliches here, the uncertainty of certain elements of the song adds to its emotional realism. Picture the acclaimed acid-tongued poet, perhaps, staring down at his newborn child and admitting his own helplessness to express himself in a wholly original way. Uh, perhaps all he can come out now is with his is cliches and anyone who's, who's, who's had a new child uh, you, you do find yourself mouthing cliches um, you can't help it he is after all just feeling what millions of parents before him have felt thus this is not a song that can through dylan's usual process of development of his work be pushed in different musical or lyrical directions it's a pure expression of love it needs to be performed by singers who are open-hearted enough to admit their own susceptibility to perhaps the most basic human instinct of all, to love and protect a child. It's thus difficult to pick out particular performances, although the rendition in Dublin on the 14th of September 2000 is particularly distinctive as it features highly emotive backing vocals by Larry Campbell and Charlie Sexton. I always thought it was such a shame that um, Dylan didn't carry on using those kind of backing vocals because they were particularly effective. This is also a song which uh, suits the mature vocal style of Joan Baez who recorded the song in 1976. 
By this point, her um, what we might call her operatic early vocalising had been tempered by experience and much usage. And she is able to combine her usual vocal purity with a certain world weariness which suits the song. The, pret the pretenders with the generally bittersweet Chrissy Heimann vocals achieve a similar effect. The song is equally effective if sung by a woman or a man. There is little doubt that Forever Young will endure many years into the future and be recorded by many different musicians as the sentiments it expresses are so universal. Okay, um, thank you for listening to, to all that and um, that's the end of this episode. I'll be back with another one very, very soon. Is it rolling, Bob? Is it rolling, Bob? Is it rolling, Bob?